Welcome to Angels Changing Tires. I'm your host, Yonatan Chanuchi. Hello, everyone, and welcome for another episode of Angels Changing Tires. And today I have a very, very very special guest a really really dear friend of mine katya welcome katya how are you thank you thank you how am i mm, yeah feeling excited and about being here and grateful yeah mm. yes beautiful beautiful you want to maybe introduce yourself for the people who don't know you who here for the first time Sure. Um, introducing myself, it's always complicated. <laughs> but um, so starting with the basics, um, I'm a psychotherapist, uh, yoga teacher, but more of a kind of yoga paradigm teacher, like the philosophy and psychology of, you know, how to live a um, balanced, peaceful, fulfilling life kind of thing. Um, also, healer Reiki practitioner um discoverer of life and the universe mm. yeah yeah I will tell everyone who that's at least my experience by experiencing Katya I can feel a certain uh, really genuine approach that you have towards self-exploration or self-realization or spirituality very very grounded and very very grounded that's things that I took a lot and um yeah I guess something like that I would really like to bring in our talk today is that like is how we you know we we ascend we learn we we get closer maybe to ourselves or to our spirit but also practically you know like literally making it day by day bring it to the physical that's something that yeah I feel a lot is in your essence in your color. Hmm. Do you feel like it was always like that? Like your approach to spirituality and self-exploration? Mm, well, I've had so many phases. So no, it hasn't always been like that. Uh, I think as a child, uh, when I first came into this world, I was very, very much like that. Very much like embodying spirits and also like very much connected to nature. Like feeling really those, those things uh, as one. And then uh, it was, well, just all the challenging. I've had a difficult um, childhood, difficult teenagehood, difficult early 20s. You know, it's been challenging in many ways. So I guess it, uh, it uh, created a lot of clouds in that, uh, in that uh, sunny, I guess, being that I was. Mm. Uh, so yeah I guess it was pretty dark at some stage um, and then at the darkest hour I found yoga and yoga brought me wow like a sense of uh, fulfillment uh, I, I always kind of felt like life was a bit empty like meaningless uh, and and then yoga brought a sense of wow this is exactly what I've been missing all my life Or the life that I remembered, except when I was very, very little that I was still embodying that. 
So then I jumped straight into yoga, but it was pretty up in the sky. Like it was just a lot of beautiful values, beautiful mm -hmm. like ideas about spirituality and really wanting to be that, but not really having done the work for it. So that's when I think it was a bit ungrounded, uh, not really having like full like knowledge of my ego. Not that I have full knowledge of my yeah, ego, yeah. but yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a process of um, self discovery and personal development and and all the rest. So that you know that the more we create roots in our in our shadow, like uh, the more we can also create wings and. I love that. The more we create roots in our shadows, the more we can create wings and fly. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you want to share a bit more maybe about that time, like what, what was happening on that dark time that pushed you to get there? Because I'll tell you why I'm asking, because I think like for us to find that power, that strength to say, okay, something is not going as I want it to go in my life and I'm going to take full responsibility and try to sort it out. For some of us, it takes just a little bit of uncomfortableness. And for some of us, like life will really need to push us really down, mm. you know? And that that point is like, it's that area between despair and hope. It's like that that little gap between saying, oh, I'm just giving up and life is a shitty place mm. into, okay, no, I'm going to really do something about that because I understand that it's just about me. Um, so if you want to share a bit, if that was your process, if you feel like it and mm. what was the experience that maybe led you to there and what was that moment that shifted to say, okay, no, it's in my hands and I'm going to try to do something. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess life tried to show me, uh, in, in kind of kind ways that I wasn't aligned with my being and then when I, I didn't listen at all and it kept bringing like heavier ways uh, and then heavier and heavier. And, you know, they say in yoga, life will give you a little nudge. If you don't listen, eventually it'll push you. If you don't listen, it'll slap you in the face. And if you don't listen, it'll throw you under a bus. Mm. So I had to get to the bus part, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess um, the way that I responded to what was happening in my external environment was by being really, really angry at it and in despair and just so much aloneness and heartache and just disconnection from everyone. And there was a lot of trauma in, in the middle. Um, but the thing is, I didn't grow up in this kind of hippie spiritual environment. I looked around me and all I saw were also people who were living this kind of very standard society life that seemed like they didn't have substance for me, you know, something for me to connect with. So I felt so disconnected I, as a child. Like it was incredible. I used to have panic attacks mm. uh, of of how absolutely devastated I was for for being feeling so alone in life and yeah there was I, I grew up in a pretty rigid environment and so the way I dealt with that was to rebel against it and be really really angry and then started to drink and all those things um and drinking was pretty much the only time I felt alive so just drinking more and anyway but uh, when I was in my teenage years 
I um, came, I went to one psychotherapy, I think, appointment. This very nice lady. And uh, I mean, we couldn't really find solutions because there weren't many solutions for my external environment. But what I did get from it was she told me that uh, I couldn't really change, for example, my family, but one day I could create my own family with my values mm. and, you know, all the love I wanted to give and everything. And so I was maybe 15 when this happened, 13, 14. And so this created a dream. Like I want to have mm. a family. I want to have a child and then I'm going to create, you know, this beautiful, loving relationship and all that. So uh, for the next I guess, 10, 12 years, I was kind of working towards this dream. Like anything that was really sad in my life, I was like, yes, but one day, one day I'm going to have yeah. that child. And um, then in my kind of Saturn return <laughs> years, like the 27 maybe, I got pregnant. I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is it for me. Like I, as soon as it happened, like I connected with that child, like there was – I had never experienced anything like it. The connection I felt was just insane, like while it was in my belly. Sadly, with the lifestyle that I was living, which was like working all the time, stressful mm. job, like no work-life balance, uh, there's no contact with nature, no concept of relaxation, no concept of like uh, like healthy living, any of that. So uh, I lost the child. Like mm. uh, I had a miscarriage. And when that child died, like everything in me died. Like uh, I just, and whatever was left, I just wanted to sabotage everything. I wanted everything in my life to die because the only thing that meant anything had already died. Mm. So that was rock bottom. Mm. and um from there in that moment kind of the along those days yoga appeared and uh and my friend told me about yoga i'm like okay well why not it's something i'll go and from the moment i got there the teacher was explaining yoga philosophy and psychology talking about the chakras how uh, everything is connected, the, the, our emotions are related to certain chakras that are related to certain parts of the body and um, how healing could happen through, you know, uh, just practices and changing belief systems and all that. And I was fascinated. He was talking and I, I thought, like, surely I, I remember this. I, I know what he's going to say after. Like, I remember this from past lives or something like that. And... Uh, yeah. And so I continued to go. Uh, so for me, it was yoga, but for some people, I know it's other things. Like yeah. Yoga yeah. was just the thing that felt alive for me. Mm. And, um, and then, yeah, I just followed that. And that life force led me to just so many learnings. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very inspiring. <laughs> Very inspiring. How was it like even to go to that first class? I guess it was a lot of resistance probably in the time that you were. Like mm. what what made you in the end go? Oh, that's <laughs> that is a because that's the turning point, yeah. you know, like like easily if you would not turn up for that yeah. class or whatever, something else would happen, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, that's actually a full another another deep kind of area of my life. One other episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because of this kind of sadness that I felt and despair, when I was 14, I met this man, Portuguese man, and uh, he was a, a bit older than me, and I I didn't know anything about relationships. So for me, my first relationship was that. So everything he was doing was normal. I had no like point of comparison. And he, in my in my eyes, he loved me so much. And this was like, this blew my world. You know, like I, I, finally someone who gives me love. Oh my God, that was just amazing for me at the time. You know, it felt like that. So I would have done anything not to lose him. So because of that, I missed a lot of important details, which was he was insanely controlling. Like I could not wear a skirt, for example, because he would mm. uh, freak out. Like mm. he would tell me what to wear, who I could hang out with, uh, what I could do in life, how much I had to be with him, whatever. And amongst other things, um, he told me that I needed to well, convinced me that I needed to have sex with him uh, as much as he wanted, which to this day, I believe he was a sex addict. Like mm. uh, he had, um, it's not like he had a high libido, like he had a problem. Mm. Uh, and so he had all these techniques to uh, convince me to have sex with him. Like he would say, oh, if you don't do that, then I'm in pain. Uh, I have physical pain. Uh, or if you don't do that, I feel more insecure about you hanging out with other guys. Or uh, if you don't do that, I don't feel like you love me. All these things. you know. Also, like, you're my girlfriend, so you're supposed to, like, you be the person who pleases me. All these beliefs. And I, and I you know, that seemed, okay, so this is the way it is. And I, I did what he wanted. So... Constantly, he wanted to have sex, and constantly I would force myself to do it because I thought that was the way, at least the way to keep love in my life, which I treasured more than anything. Mm. So things escalated in in really awful ways. You know, I I couldn't find the courage to tell him that I didn't want to, and then eventually, I you know, this was yeah, months and years, you know. Uh, then I could finally find the courage to tell him I didn't really want to. And then he made me please him in other ways. And then eventually I started to find that disgusting as well. And then he made me watch as he pleased himself, you know, and then it's like life giving me the nudge and the punch and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually he came to a point where I told him I didn't want to, and he still did it. Mm. So that was kind of, an eye-opener, you know, of where things were getting. And eventually we did break up. But it, what it did to me, this sexual trauma, was to create the idea, like a whole lot of belief systems based on uh, those ideas. Like, I have to please men. I'm responsible for their sexual pleasure. I'm responsible for whatever they want to do. I have no right to have desires or boundaries myself. So with that, my libido completely shut down, completely. But because I had these beliefs, I continued to have sex all throughout my following relationships. Uh, 
it's like I would do it once a week to tick the box so that people wouldn't really suspect that something was not okay. Mm. And um, so I just kept doing it. Like even myself, I didn't feel it like a, this is a trauma or um, it, this was all kind of unconscious, really. Like it was just like a coping mechanism that was completely unconscious. And this went on until, uh, yeah, much later, until I had a a partner who said, you're doing what? Mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can't, it's okay. Like, uh, And he was like, no, that's not okay for me. Like, I, w- I never want you to have sex with me unless you want to have sex with me. So there is absolutely no way in hell, like, this is a boundary for me. Like, I, I do not want to, to be having sex with someone who doesn't want that. And I remember being so shocked, like, this guy's putting his needs aside so that, uh, you know, prioritizing mm-hmm. my needs. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And that kind of helped me integrate that I'm entitled to have needs and boundaries. Mm. But this was to come back to your question. Yeah. And the, the, why did I even join that yoga school? Yeah. Because uh, in that process, I was trying to find ways of healing. Because uh, I, then I started to discover that this was a trauma and was caused by that relationship and everything. So my friend, <laughs> my Portuguese girlfriend, told me, you know, I heard about this thing, like a there's a Tantra school, and I hear that people go there and they th- their life changes somehow. Like they have really deep experiences and uh, maybe it'll help, help you with your sex life. I'm like, ah, okay, well, why not? You know, I like to keep working towards healing, so I'll just go. So actually, um, the the motivation that I had to join the school was was sexual sexual healing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So mm. that's how all these stories fit together. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I, I want to really acknowledge you something <laughs> by everything you shared. You know, like I I don't know who listened here and, and knows you or not, but like you know, you saying those stories and first of all, you, you've been so vulnerable and honest and authentic and sharing that, which I think by itself it's something to be appreciated because I think first it really sees how you see yourself and you can hold yourself and accept yourself and see your stories, you know, and like Mm -hmm. hold yourself with, with love and maybe even proud, you know, of where you come from. And I think probably part of the person that you are is through those experiences. So everyone who listened to us and, you know, and if you, if you see sometimes you see someone and you think, oh, they are angels and like, you know, there is nothing wrong in their life. Like they probably went through those things, you know, and mm. there is no shame. All, all I'm trying to say that there is no shame and, and, and there is a lot of power by sharing and telling and doing. And because, you know, here by even even back then that you could acknowledge or maybe through that partner as well that really helped you and told you, well, that's not what I want. Mm. You could say, okay, there is something I want to work on that. I want to change that. I'm going to take that responsibility in my hands. And it's absolutely inspiring. Very, very beautiful. So really thank you for sharing that. Mm, Thank you. How did all of that, which is a lot, (laughs) affected your way to see men or to see relationship? Oh, how long have you got? (laughs) We have all the time in the world, honey. (laughs) 
I mean, this this created uh, it's hard because so much of this was unconscious, but essentially it created uh, this feeling of unsafety uh, around men. Like uh, it felt like women were safe, but men were unsafe because they were gonna try something with me. And because I didn't have a concept of boundaries or that I'm entitled to have boundaries, then if they, they wanted to try something with me, it meant that I had to agree or um, or feel really, really awful as a person, which was what usually happened when you feel really, really awful. So I avoided men for a very long time and then um, started to... Uh, to want to heal that as well because uh, actually what motivated me to start to want to heal the masculine uh, relationship I had um, or the relationship I had with the masculine was my body. Mm. So I was having psychosomatic symptoms and I don't know if people, everyone knows what psychosomatic is, but essentially it's um, emotional uh, aspects of our being that are manifesting through our body. So uh, essentially, and then, you know, I've worked for, for example, Hos Auckland Hospital for a couple of years, precisely as a psychotherapist in this area of psychosomatic conditions. And uh, the so just to explain a bit of the concept, the concept is when something really, really difficult happens, like psychologically for us, and our mind has no way of processing what happened because it's just too painful or too scary, then the mind creates a disconnection from the emotion so that it can continue its life and survive and go on with mm. you know work and whatever. But the problem with that is that the mind can disconnect from that emotion, but the body can't. So the emotion and the body are one. So if the mind disconnects from it, the emotion is going to express through the body. So for me, that expressed as uh, urticaria, which in English is called hives as well, mm -hmm. which was a chronic acute disease that I've had for many years. So essentially on my skin, my skin was the equivalent of having, say, 500 mosquitoes bite me at any given time in my whole body. Mm. Like this was the feeling of urticaria. Wow. And what that was is it was symbolizing like how dangerous the outside world was. So my immune system uh, felt oh, the, the outer world is so dangerous uh, as if, you know, there were actual mosquitoes biting, uh, but psychologically. Uh, and so I'm going to react and try to protect the body. Uh, and so it it created hives because it, it had the impression that uh, it was under attack all the time. So this was hives. And also I had endometriosis, which was which is a disease. Um, in my case, it was in the ovaries and uterus. And endometriosis is also connected with the masculine in the sense that the the direction of the uterus, like the womb, 
is usually inwards you know like as women we we have a, a you know our sexual organ is designed to receive you know it's mm-hmm. it's a whole it's not something outwards like men you know so men are naturally yang so they naturally give and women naturally yin they receive so this is our flow is to welcome to receive to nourish uh my flow because that felt really dangerous to receive something that's unwanted my flow became outwardly instead of inwardly so the the cells that are make, uh, creating the lining of my uterus the inside of my uterus instead of staying in the inside they would go outside mm-hmm. because my uterus was just kicking everything out and that's endometriosis um so and it's super painful the the symptoms are super heavy painful periods so this mm-hmm. was happening mm-hmm. Uh, and I have more examples of things that were happening with my body, but essentially my body was screaming for help. I, yeah. And I had no clue, like no clue, like what this meant. I thought that my body is just stupid. Why doesn't it work well like other people's bodies? No clue. And then, I, of course, I went through my healing process. I also worked for the hospital for a couple of years. So I really realized, okay, so this is you know, the body's saying something relevant, like this is important. We, you know, I need to listen to, to what it's saying because it's, it's got wisdom. It's actually more, more wise than me mm-hmm. as, as the mind. So that's when I uh, realized that I needed to, that actually my feelings towards the masculine and towards men were repressed. You know, my anger, my fear, my disgust, my, all those things were just expressing through my body. Mm. and then that became a priority to to change and to fix that and to heal that so that was a process then i found biodanza biodanza is a a a type of kind of dance but it's more like a holistic experience really of connection with self with the other and with the universe and it was very profound to be in biodanza and it really helped me reconnect with my body and all the feelings that I had around it and um, and observe the aversion that I actually had towards men mm. and I this was actually separate from biodanza but I went to a woman's circle the woman's circles were so important you know for that process of healing I actually had to take space from men for at least a year to actually heal from that and in a woman's circle, they just did a womb meditation. Like, I'm like, okay, so in this meditation, we were kind of sitting, we were, our hands were in our wombs, and we were just connecting with our womb. And I realized then the depth of disconnection that I had from my own womb. You know, the womb, which is meant to be like the source of wisdom, creativity, power of a woman, you know, of inspiration of everything, like, uh, when women were empowered in the past, like it is said that they live from their womb, like mm. that's where manifestation happens. Like we give birth to whatever happens in our life through our womb. And I couldn't even feel my womb. And the other women were sitting in that circle looking really blissful. And I'm like, oh my God, like what is happening? Mm. And it was just such a painful experience that I couldn't feel it. So. I was then I realized like how how sick I actually was. Mm. Yeah. So 
from from that moment there was yeah a huge uh focus in my life towards healing uh and actually just towards first of all feeling the feelings that i had towards men um of you know the fear starting to really like become in tune with the emotions that i had repressed the fear the aversion all of that i learned a lot about boundaries in that time as well that i was entitled to have them first of all also how to communicate them uh also having the courage to do it it was a huge huge process but essentially in this process uh it's hard to even explain all the process because there were so many uh different things i was i would just like have this focus this intention on healing that wounded part of me with the masculine that i would also attract things you know healing experiences and i did anything from like uh demascal uh, so that was to, like your intention to heal the masculine within yeah and to attract things that will contribute to the healing well that wasn't the attraction wasn't even an intention it was just because i had uh-huh, the intention the result, i was attracting yeah. these okay. things okay yeah. yeah so for me it was like uh plant journeys it was temascal it was uh meditations i did uh, family constellation i mean there was just things that happened yeah, for me because yeah. i had that healing but i'm sure for other people they attracted different uh experiences because they had different intentions as well but i felt like the universe was on my side from the moment mm. that i realized this is a big problem mm. like uh then i started to like acknowledge that and find healing so so many practices in different countries different things and eventually uh i just want to frame yeah. like that one sentence that you said um It's like it's like amazing to see how much our focus our ability to focus will really help us to create and attract something in our life you know mm. like while you were not even aware and thinking that there is something big in your life that you want to create a change mm. nothing would happen yeah and as soon as like you got into whoa no I want to change that maybe the situations in your life were the same by the way even if you had that mm-hmm. intention or not but you probably start to pay attention to that and when you speak with people oh they must come, oh that might work mm-hmm. you can and asking the person I'm sure what do you think if it can help me with one two three and four and like like your whole being kind of orient itself towards like that journey towards that healing of something so like to pay attention and give that focus I think is a really you big part i guess do, mm. do you fit into that that's yeah 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 exactly yeah that's exactly what i believe in mm. and uh, what i tell my clients as well as a psychotherapist you know like discover what your intention is or what your intentions are like that is step one mm-hmm. um, because then you'll start to attract things into your life as well yeah yeah and i just want to bring another message we just spoke about you know ascending and descending so like I think a lot of people understand really wrong what it means to attract. They think they're just going to look at the picture of a Ferrari every day and then there's going to be a Ferrari in the driveway. I think the intention helps us weave and helps us maybe attract and see the things in our life. But then it's up to us to do the action, mm. to really take the step like, and, and do something with that and not just sit and wait you know, with our hands and something will fall from the sky, mm. which is another part because... 
all those things came to you, but yeah, you did the work. Mm. You were brave enough to go do the biodanza, do the temascal, do the mm. plant medicine. By the way, temascal, for those who don't know, it's a sweat lodge, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, mm. yeah, that's just was just a point I wanted to end. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that brought me, all those practices brought me to a place of, uh, at least awareness of what was inside me, like the aversion to the masculine and, um, and then through the, through the ceremonies and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it started to heal. I started to observe changes and, um, then, you know, it was, it was a slow process because there was so many years of conditioning. So as well to, to remove those layers, to peel through those layers was mm-hmm. a big, long, painful process, you know, with a lot of tears and yeah. a lot of hopelessness and despair and also a lot of, you know, breakthroughs and beautiful moments. So it was a difficult process. And what and kept you going, although all the difficulties and not give up? I think my body. Yeah, true. My body would not let go of the symptoms. Mm. Yeah. So honestly, that yeah, is... with you it was a clear sign. Yeah, <laughs> on that, yeah. But again, like your intention was to heal completely. Although I'm sure yeah. that maybe doctors and stuff told you, yeah, that's what it is. That's the story. Yeah, I'm sure you heard that. Oh my God, yes. With the endometriosis, I went to a doctor, and uh, uh, yeah, typical Western doctor, and she told me, okay, here you go. This is a prescription for a like, uh, like a certain medication for the uh um or like a it's not the it wasn't the pill but it was something hormonal that i needed to take you know mm. and i'm like okay and how long should i take this for and she said oh it's for the rest for of your life, life. <laughs> i'm like okay and is this going to fix like the root cause of the problem and she's like no no that can't be fixed uh, you you're just gonna like manage the symptoms for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I said, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, you can leave the prescription there. <laughs> and just to finish that story, how it ended was I had a a three centimeter cyst on my right ovary. And uh then I went through a number of practices and all these journeys, and a year later. I got tested and there was no cyst at all. Like it just absolutely vanished. amazing. Yeah, you're literally saying a miracle. I think in the eyes of Western society, yeah. uh, Western uh, medicine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. You said it was impossible. I'm like, don't tell me what's impossible. Exactly. <laughs> it's that determination and eh? like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna do it. You know, like I'm gonna yeah. die on the way, but I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I'm gonna solve that. That's the fierceness. Yeah, and that's what I think allowed you to keep going and going and going and going until just something's gonna happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just unwilling to settle for being sick or being like uh, traumatized or because yeah, like that's not for me. Like I, I, I don't. I'm not gonna say I don't deserve that, but I certainly don't. I didn't want that. Yeah. So I was gonna do everything I could to to change that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Very very inspiring. But where that brings me, 
Yeah, because yeah. we talked about men, like about yeah. men. Because you had yeah. such an interesting story, like that we were talking about, and it this week, you mean? Yeah, like okay. at the retreats. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna share with everyone. It connects with my story. Yeah, I went to a retreat on the weekend, and um, we were working a lot with the masculine energy, feminine energy, and the different archetypes that come with that. Um, and towards the end, there was a you know, a circle that everyone can pretty much share what what comes to their mind to sum up the retreats. And a few women were expressing very powerfully, very with you know, with a lot of anger and 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 um, resentment even, like their disappointment from the masculine. They didn't say men, they say the masculine energy and the, the aspect of the protector, let's say it like that. Um which is totally understandable. Like and 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 would be interesting to hear your perspective as a woman from that, you know, because I'm coming from a perspective of a man. I I did spoke with with women and you know my my partners in the past or present whatever and um that's definitely something that's present I feel that a lot of women did uh, suffered a lot from violence from oppression from the masculine from the men and just your story that you shared right now about you know like your uh, teenage experiences is very very powerful uh, like very let's say emphasizing that um, but something that was very alive in me to share in that circle after it came, because it came with so much anger and like, where are you and why are you not helping us? And um, to be honest, my experience with that a lot was um, that it starts to be a place of just um, not willing to allow healing or love to enter that space. I know that me as a man, I felt a lot of the time um that women projected a lot of things about me about who who i am or what my actions are or what's my intention just because i'm a man just because i'm a man like it's it had nothing to do with what i actually did because after that would happen they would even tell me well it's not you you know it's my father it's my ex it's someone you know and i can and i understand that like and i can hold that pain but at that moment, I had something very important to express, to say that I think to create that healing for the feminine, then the blaming needs to be stopped or at least to be acknowledged that there is that kind of blaming and there is that projection towards us as men. As men. And if woman wants to receive that healing, we, we need to work together. And I think instead of pointing the finger, it's more like to hug each other with that. And to learn from each other and for the woman to have opportunity to share and 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 try to trust and whatever every person is their own individual process and their own journey with that but to hold that there is a wand for both sides around that and probably blaming would not be a solution yeah. and to really move on as a society and heal from that um i think we should move from blaming to acknowledgement and then see how we can cooperate and work together mm. to create something. Um, now, 
just to put it in the context of how I said it and where I said. First, I expressed it with a lot of anger as well, okay? <laughs> because when the women expressed it, they were expressing it with a lot of anger and I could feel myself. It really faced me with all those times that that women were projecting on me countless of times things just because I'm a man. And, and it feels so yucky in the body to have that. To have that feeling that you've just been projected it's nothing to do with you but you're gonna eat that shit now just because you're a man mm. um yeah so it was hard to express it i knew as well that i'm gonna have some backfire from saying that because it's a sensitive mm. space and i think mainly around conscious or spiritual communities mm. there is a lot of acknowledgement just for one side for the women which is in a way fair enough because it's true they have been suffering for a very long time and that anger has space yet i think it's very important to bring both sides to that equation um after me was another man that could express what i wanted to say more from my heart without the anger part and was speaking really really gently and beautifully and saying what's our experiences man how much we disconnect from our emotions from our body How much we need that softness, that touch from women to teach us to be there, to learn how to love, how to embrace, how to accept, um, which was very powerful and beautiful. Yeah. And then me and Katya just spoke about it this week and we both were like, hell yeah, that's a topic we mm. should really bring up mm. and talk about. So yeah, what do you think? Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that uh, that vulnerable and meaningful experience that happened for you um I think that's a really really rich and deep topic and I definitely love the the direction you know the direction that you that you long for you know from from blaming to cooperating and working together yeah I'm absolutely on board with that and um I know for myself I had a phase as I was kind of touching on before where I just needed space from the masculine I needed space to allow myself to feel what I needed to feel to feel the anger to blame others instead of blaming myself mm. to see shame in what others did instead of seeing shame in myself like to to kind of release all I needed to release and I needed to hate men you know I needed to, for all of that to to have a space and it did and it was really useful that it did and then I felt like that phase came to a, a natural kind of conclusion in, in a way like for lack of a better word that phase uh, it it when things were released inside me they didn't need to take place in that uh, in that way anymore So then I, uh, I started to feel open to the, to having men in my life, open to the masculine. Uh, and I don't mean as lovers or anything, just like to have, uh, uh, not to have a version to men, you know? It's, mm. I started feeling open to that. And uh, in the phase where I am now, I realize how toxic it can be, like what uh, us women can put on men. You know, like now I can really, really empathize with what you're saying, which is I realize now the weight of the projections of what we put onto men. Mm. 
And it's not even, as you say, those men that did things or whatever, or maybe they did. It doesn't matter in a way. Mm-hmm. But in a way, we're putting this uh, really awful energy that's inside of us, we're putting it onto men. So there, there's no way like that, you know, this is healing or anything. But in a way, it's healing just because uh, it's a phase, I, I believe. It's a phase that sometimes maybe we need to go through uh, in order to heal. But definitely, uh, that's the big downside is that we are we can be pretty toxic, mm-hmm. yeah, and and what we what we are putting onto onto men, and then it's really hard for them to heal and to hold that and to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, as you say, to to be put all of that stuff onto them when they they don't deserve that in a way, mm. you know. So we're putting men in a really really hard situation. And, and and yeah, and that's not fair either, and it's not ideal. Um, does it need to happen? Maybe, but what I wish for is healing of that. You know that that to move through this phase, not let ourselves get stuck in this phase, mm-hmm. and then come to a place where we can actually see the pain in the other side, see the vulnerability in the other side, and actually, like I had a. a, a one week uh, course at Haydn. <laughs> And uh, the and uh, and this course was about the masculine. Uh, it was um, a course yeah. about <laughs> healing the the masculine. It was not just for men; it was for women as well. And women did their work separately from the men, actually. And then I had this idea of men as so powerful, like they do what they want with their power. You know, this was while I was still in that healing process. And. And uh, what I realized when I was in the position of a man, because we were put like in the position of a man, actually, like we were embodying our masculine purely, like, and uh, connecting with that to allow that energy inside of us and seeing what happens. And what I realized is that there's actually so much vulnerability in being a man, like Mm. in, in being in the masculine, there's so much vulnerability, there was so much insecurity in that and having this power not knowing what to do with it and doing things wrong and there was just yeah a lot of uh, uncertainty fear and there was so much so it was such a rich experience mm. to actually be in a man's shoes in a way and gave me a lot of compassion for that yeah so i realized actually like it's not that men were that powerful. Like I was giving my power away to men, you know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, And in doing that, then I was putting all these projections on men because we project onto power. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. um, Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I have, thank you so much for sharing that. I think two things that came to me in that sharing one of them I think is very healthy for both of us men and women to really embody and feel how it feels to be in the shoes of the other one. Us as men to really embody our inner feminine, what it means to really feel and imagine as if we are a woman. And there are many, 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 many different energy exercises that we can do with that, with our partner, without our partner, just with ourselves, with nature, with so many things, so many things we can do. And I think it was very beneficial for me because it helped me Although everything I shared before, feeling the blame, like I also have a lot of understanding towards that. And I feel by doing those exercises and speaking with women and really try to get into the shoes of the other one, energetically embodied, not just in my mind, really, really allowed me to 
it's okay you know like even if it happens like it's like i can see what's going on i can see the other side and um another point that you were bringing um yeah i think i'll speak for myself and some other men that i spoke with i don't think that we as men have such a problem on feeling the anger of the feminine and I think there is a very healthy space that can be with that. I think the problem starts is when we lose the 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 grip of it instead of saying, I just feel anger and I just express that anger into to men as men. And when it comes to you mm. in a relationship, it's you. You are one, two, three, and four, although you are not. Like, I think if uh, me as a man, I would I would say, I'm very open for my partner, my friend, whatever, women that I'm around to tell me I something happened between us. I feel triggered. I understand that it's not you. Mm-hmm. If it was really not me, if it's me, that's another topic. Okay. But let's say for the sake of that example, that was not me. That was just me as a man. And I feel that anger and I want to be witnessed with that. Okay. And I'm going to do my best not to blame you. I'm going to just be with the anger, express it. And I want you to be present. I would be so honored, first of all, to be there. Mm. And I think that that by itself creates so much closeness and so much healing between men and women. It it could be in the microcosmos of between partners, but I think it ripples and affects to every man that we see, to our father, our mother, our, and 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 so on. So I don't think we need to, like, I really agree with you. Like, we need to go through that phase of anger, you know? Like, and maybe for some of us, that phase of anger has to be with really blaming and taking completely distance, and that's also fine. But I'm saying for those who want to be around men or be in a relationship with that and have space, I think to bring it like that and just embody the feeling of it rather than focusing on the outside and, like, Mm -hmm. You know, on someone, I think can be very, very, very beneficial. To me, there is something so beautiful about that, so intimate mm. about that. And vice versa, for the man to express their anger or blame, like I just did now, you know, in the podcast with our close relationships, with our mothers, with our friends, with our sisters, with our lover. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for for bringing that in because I think that is a, such an important point, such mm. an important point. So the so you I, what I'm hearing from your point is like the the issue is really the the blaming and the projection, the projection, not the anger itself. Because exactly the the anger can be there and expressed in a healthy way, but when it's expressed like I'm feeling like this and it's your fault, that's when it's high exactly. you know, and toxic. Exactly. And, exactly like yeah that. and that is just such a key point because while we keep ourselves in this in this cycle of i'm feeling this way because he did this like that's disempowering we can't do anything because it's all oh, the other person did it so mm-hmm. uh, i have no choice but to feel this way in fact one of the sentences i absolutely like really don't like in the entire world is you make me feel Whatever. You made oh, me feel sad. You made me feel jealous. You made me... <laughs> the, really, yes. it's almost like, don't say this sentence around me because I yes. just don't believe in it. Yes. I, I believe no one can make you feel something. Exactly. I believe in full accountability for our feelings, full accountability. 
because one person did something and I might feel uh, triggered and unhappy about it. Another person might feel really inspired by that. Yes. You know? So yes. full accountability for how we feel and speaking from that place of, okay, this uh, objective fact happened uh, and what it brings up in me and this, and I'm responsible for that. And uh, the reason why it brings it this up is whatever, my past, blah, blah, blah. And then what I need to express now is blah, blah, blah. Or my need now is to be, you know, to be seen or to be hugged or whatever, like mm. something along those lines. This is gold. Gold. <laughs> it saved me so many unnecessary arguments, what you said. I learned it through nonviolent communication. Mm. It's a, one of the biggest tools that I'm using every single day in my life mm. and that I also teach to my clients. And like I can see how so, so there's something so simple yet so effective about that because it's reality. Yeah. No one makes yeah. us feel anything, mm. anything. For one person, you'd feel like this. For another person, you'd feel like that. Own it. I feel like this because objectively what happened, you know, like it opens up so much space for air mm. and for talking and none of the sides feels either disempowered or blamed or that there is yuckiness like it just leaves it so beautiful mm. and that's a very very good point mm. i really really like it very beneficial for me in my life at least was really changing a lot a lot a lot a lot mm. absolutely non-violent communication completely changed my life yeah yeah mm. well. mm. <laughs> oh, wow a lot of topics what is a message you want to give to someone who hears us now maybe a woman or a man that are facing a, a situation right now that is maybe similar to what you experience and you wish someone could give you mm. an advice mm. in that those moments that is you know like really rock bottom mm. it's a good question um i guess what i wish someone would have told me is and this might sound like a bit of a cliche, but it's like, I wish someone had told me to listen to myself. Right. You know, my body has the answer. My intuition has the answer. My emotions have the answer. I was just not attuned enough to listen for it. You know, so in so many situations, I did what someone else wanted or what was socially acceptable or what I thought was going to be better for other people when, who knows, um, and like I, I strongly believe that we have an immense and infinite source of wisdom inside of us. And for me, my goal is to tap into that, you know, because from that wisdom comes how I want to live, what my values are, what I want to manifest in life, what I want to attract, everything. But to have that internal frame of reference, like what feels right for you, you know, mm. um, that is just key. If I had just been attuned to that, I would have said no so many times. I've, I've set boundaries so many times. I would have taken space so many times. I would really, uh, I can see how I would never have been in the situations that I've been at all but i just didn't have this piece of knowledge mm. or the permission to follow that mm. and do you have any sort of routine or practice that you do to help you come back to tune to your body like that to tune to that space of wisdom mm, 
or something you started from being completely unaware to now being aware yeah. like what's the first step I think the step was really awareness it wasn't a specific practice but just more of a tuning in like as as much as I possibly can tuning in to how does this you know I walk into a room how does this room feel for me right now or I'm talking to a person even while I'm having the same conversation with the same person I'm tuning in like how am I feeling now am I Am I feeling depleted by this conversation? Do I have a specific need? Uh, that need could be anything. Uh, yeah, tuning into uh, like, what do I want to eat? Like not getting myself caught up in routines. Okay, I have breakfast at 11 every day. So therefore it's 11 o'clock. I should have breakfast. No, but just tuning in each moment, not making assumptions and um, just creating the space in my life to constantly uh check in with myself yeah that was mm -hmm. the practice yeah yeah also in the interview the episode with the ra mm -hmm. for those who listen he also i think we talked about it and mentioned like that that inner listening that inner tune attunement is a big key mm -hmm. for a lot of things in our life like to create change to make something happen to yeah mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And just on that, because I think another really important practice around that and around most other things, in my opinion, was to be present. Because a lot of the time for me, I found that I was in the past or the future. My mind was not here, you know. So if I'm in the past, just thinking, you know, about what happened and or I'm in the future, uh, anticipating or planning something trying to control something or even if I'm in the present but I'm not really present with my senses I'm just kind of analyzing things and not really being attuned to what's happening um, then there is no space to check in with how I am right now so to really shift that into being present here and now like how does my body feel how do my emotions feel uh do I need to do something different right now to, to feel more harmonious and in balance? So that being in the present, I know yet another cliche, you know, but still yeah. a huge, probably the biggest practice in my life is to be present. So how do you come to that present beyond the <laughs> sentence? Okay, coming back to the present, what are you physically doing? Um, the thing is like, nothing needs to be done to be present. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I do specifically. I could be playing music. I could be, uh, you know, take, having a walk. I could have, be having this conversation and still feel present and, and still feel like tuned in. Mm. Uh, or I could be doing, you know, I could be having a walk and completely unconscious just with my mind completely not here. Mm. So it's not really about what to do. It's about how to be. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, I'll, I'll just share what helps me to come mm -hmm. back to that present is to come back to the five sense experience. Mm. Right now I'm here. How is the breath feeling in my nostrils going all the way down? Is it in my chest? I'm not trying to change it or now make a deep breath or make myself relax just to feel it. Mm. How's my heartbeat? Now I'm taking a walk. How is my feet feeling under the ground? Am I walking barefoot or we choose? Am I under rocks or, or grass? Or is it sunny? Or yeah, I feel coming back to that physical is really. Mm. Do you agree? Like yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah that is a great source of uh presence you know mm. definitely the physical reality around yeah so there's the physical reality there's also the emotional reality you know what's present for me like i feel just so much grief right now or whatever mm. and there's the kind of spiritual reality like how I, it's even harder to explain how inspired and alive do i feel right now fulfilled kind of thing oh yeah uh just how is my energy right now yoga talks about the five koshas you exactly. know five bodies you know? how do i feel yeah. physically energetically kind of mentally emotionally spiritually it's not that yes. linear but yeah so and the the physical is very much what you're saying mm -hmm. and so a bit of the energetic as well yeah true true mm. definitely yeah it's all those layers being present in all those layers mm. with my mind with my body with my emotions with my yeah. energy nice and picking up on the things that take you away from the presence you know for example mm. i i found for myself i got lost when i was with other people like when i'm with other people my experience was lost you know how i am or whatever i was just in like do i need to take care of them are they feeling all right am i mm. am i doing something offensive you know like just uh yeah lo losing the presence so just learning to identify the elements that take you away from that presence mm. is quite important wow mm. beautiful <laughs> is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode that was a bit very much <laughs> episode yeah um i want to add that i really appreciate who you are and what you bring yeah that there is just so much depth and honesty and authenticity and love and the 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 calling to help and to bring you know more more love more light more consciousness or, you know whatever you can bring into this world and i really appreciate everything mm. that you bring and everything that you are so thank you Ah, <laughs> thank you so much my love yeah yeah thank you and thank you everyone who listens to us for this episode like every episode i really really invite you if you have any questions any insight if you agree with what we say if you completely disagree <laughs> please contact me let us know okay i'll um if you're happy i can leave your contact also in the details if people want to contact you yeah so you're gonna have my contact Katya's contact if you have any questions please reach out don't stay just alone with that you know like mm. yeah even if it's something that you completely disagree and feels really bad come and talk come and talk we're really open for that mm. yeah so from here wherever you are we send you so much love so mm. much light we really hope you enjoyed this episode got something out of it yeah mm. and yeah have just a beautiful 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 day see you next time much love much love